This is the Jets-centric podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets, talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Jet-Centric Podcast. This is AJ, and I'm here talking to Hall of Famer, five-time Stanley Cup champ, uh, top 100 player of all time, or in the in the top 100, uh, Grant Fuhr. Grant, thanks so much for uh, taking the time. This is uh, I'm really excited about this. So, <laughs> It's my pleasure. All right. That's awesome. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk to, I'm going to jump around a, a little bit here because uh, there's many, many things to, to talk about. But the first thing I want to talk about was something I literally just found out uh, about the other day was uh, the documentary that was on Sportsnet. Uh, they did one about you called uh, Making Coco. I, uh, now I'm trying to find it and, and it's already played. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of touch on that and ask you what that experience was like. Uh, people uh, trying to tell the, the story of your life, that seems like a pretty nerve-wracking thing but probably something that's pretty gratifying at the end to uh to see it all come together and see your story told uh you know it was a lot of fun to do i mean i think that was the biggest thing is it's fun to live your life a second time especially when you know what the answers are <laughs> so we, we had a lot of fun with it donnie metz who i've known since i started with the oilers and got to know adam scorgi who's our director and they do a phenomenal job of it so it was, we had a lot of fun going back through the years and Basically, just going back through my life. Yeah. Did you find that you uh, uh, kind of re-remembered some things? Like, you're like, oh, yeah, that was uh, one of the details I forgot about my own life until somebody else brings up a detail about you. Was it like sort of a, a relearning, actually, the life that you, you did did lead? Well, you forget some of the fun things that you've done over the years. So I think that was the fun part is there's stuff you've forgotten. There's stuff that maybe you want to forget, but it's still there. and. Right. That's the fun part of it all is you get to basically relive your life again, but at the same time, you know what the answer is. It's just you've forgotten parts of it sometimes. Yeah, that that does seem like a, a really cool thing. I'm looking forward to, to uh, when it hits some some video on demand uh, things, unless uh, Sportsnet's going to show it again. Um, now you are going to run it again, actually. Are they? Okay, I was searching for it today, and I, I couldn't find it right now, but uh, usually – I don't know, TV Guide will update every week or so. So uh, hopefully they, they do, and I'll definitely pump it up and try and get some people to uh, to watch it too that are listening to this and would enjoy uh, knowing your story from that uh, that standpoint. But um, also you had a book come out a couple of years ago. Uh, was that a similar experience to, uh, you know, having a book kind of told about your life? I know it wasn't uh, just about your life. It was talking about uh, specific games and, and whatnot too. Um, was that a similar experience to do that? I, I imagine they both take a lot of time to kind of go go through yeah, the book probably took a year maybe a year and a half the movie similar around two years but it was fun to go through because the movie was a little bit more in-depth than the book was right but at the same but at the same time you covered between the two you cover everything yeah i mean what what the book missed the movie caught what the movie missed the book caught so you get a chance to catch and go through everything and that was the fun part so do you feel like your story is, is it's it's all there now? It's all encapsulated. All the stuff that you you would want to share 
it's it's all out there? Or do you feel like there's still some missing pieces that, you know, if you could make the, the documentary longer or write a second book, is there still, um, I'm sure there's more stories and more things uh, unsaid, but uh, for the most part, are you you're happy with the, the final product of those things? Oh, no, I'm definitely happy with the way everything ended. I mean, obviously, you can go further into how good life is now and such, but for my career and for life leading up till now, I'm actually really happy with the way it came out, and they did a really good job of it. And uh, you're talking about uh, your life now. I was uh, doing a bunch of uh, research and reading about you. Uh, what is your life now? I, I know that the golf has uh, – I think everybody knows that golf's always been a big uh, part of your life. And um, it sounds like you're involved with a bunch of different charities and stuff now. It sounds like you, you're giving back in a, in a lot of ways. So what does Grant Fear's life look like right now? Well, I, I do a lot of charity work right now, but I also work at a golf course down here in Palm Springs that's actually owned by some guys from Winnipeg. Oh, really? So, yeah, there's a couple of guys from Winnipeg that own the golf course that I got to know over the last, oh, seven, eight years. And so I spent some time as kind of director of golf, basically course ambassador, and we have some fun with that down here. So I, in that sense, I have a connection to Winnipeg. Nice. Well, uh, a lot of Winnipeggers, uh, we'll, we'll get to that, but uh, a lot of Winnipeggers know that you have a connection to Winnipeg, which was uh, making Winnipeggers cry for years and years So <laughs> in the in the 80s. So we, we know your connection to Winnipeg, and most people don't like it, but that that sounds like a much uh, better positive one as far as uh, Winnipeggers go. Um, I was going to ask you about the All-Star Game, I guess, was it last year or two, two years ago when uh, they did the top 100 players of all time and all you guys went on the ice? I was curious about what that experience was like for you. Like, uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people were guys that you'd played against, guys that you knew and everything. But to have all those people in the same building, that seems like a really kind of special once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity to, to do that. What was that like for you? For me, it was awesome. I mean, I get to see guys that I grew up watching, there's guys you played against. So you get to see the peers that you played with, played against. You get to see the guys that, as a kid, you grew up watching and idolizing. So that get to spend some time and you get to know some of them, I've become friends with some of them. It's an awesome experience. You couldn't, as a player, you couldn't ask for a more fun experience. And when you come to something like that, is there like guys that you hadn't met that you, I mean, you you, you played with Grass, you played with like uh, with and against big names, but is there anybody that still sort of uh, intimidates you or puts you in awe? You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm you know standing next to you know Bobby Orr or or whoever it is. Uh, is there with some that still sort of uh, knock you down a bit? I'm still a huge fan of all the old goalies. Okay, I mean, I fortunate enough, I've become good friends with Bernie Perron. Uh, you chance when I, every chance I get to see Tony Esposito, guys like that, Glenn Hall. Ken Dryden, uh, obviously Billy Smith played against him a ton. I mean, getting to be friends with them and being able to talk to them and spend time with them for me is awesome. I mean, that's because they're the guys you look up to. Right. And is there is there a real brotherhood of of goalies? Is that like everybody knows that goalies, you know, they tend to be a little bit off, you know, a little different from everybody else. Uh, uh, maybe kind of like drummers in a band, you know, they're they always got to carry the most equipment in. So is there like a brotherhood of goalies that's sort of something special and different than maybe the relationship you would have with other other players? Well, I think we're probably more normal than people realize. <laughs> we all kind of think we all kind of think the same way and we all took a love to the same job and I think that's the biggest thing is we all love the position. Right. And yeah. that's the fun part. 
Now, uh, talking about the position and loving it, you you had some time uh, uh, coaching for a couple of years there as a as a goaltending coach. Is that something you uh, enjoyed and would like to get back to, or is like it, it, just the actual on ice stuff? Are you still involved in hockey or want to be involved in in hockey in some way, or is it sort of you're fine to just put that on the shelf? That's uh, who you were, and you'd rather be out on the links and you know talk about the the good times, but not necessarily uh, doing actual physical hockey things. No, actually, I enjoyed. I like being at the rink every day. I still enjoy being around the rink. I mean, I think that's one thing I've never lost is a love for the game. But it was at a time where I just needed a little break from the game to take some time out and just kind of relax a little bit. I mean, I played for 20 years and I went into coaching for 10 years after that. So after after 30 straight years, you just need a little breather once in a while to kind of unwind. I'm still a fan of the game. I still watch a ton of hockey. So. At some point, I'd love to get back into the game again. Right. And, uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say with the, the goaltending uh, coaching thing, would that be the, the obvious uh, connection to, to be a goaltending coach like you had done before? Or do you think you'd actually want to do head coaching or assistant coaching, like a, a whole team and systems and, and whatnot? Or what, do you have a, a bent towards the goalie thing just naturally? I, I'm i still partial to goalies. I mean, yeah. I think that's it's what I, it's what I know best. I mean, I – I know the other parts of the game. I understand the other parts of the game, but obviously the expertise I have is in goaltending. Right. So it's still the position I watch when I watch a hockey game. I still watch the goalies, watch what they're doing. And I still like to read the game. I mean, as a goalie, you look, you sit and you read the game and how teams are trying to play and stuff. So it's, that's still my forte. Right. And uh, I guess uh, it, like obviously being goalie and stuff, uh, you guys sometimes have these alumni games. Um, when, when things like that happen, is it, I was just thinking about this practically. I feel like it's probably going to be the worst position to to be when you get to the alumni games because as you you know getting older and stuff, you don't want to be taking the eighty to a hundred mile an hour shots. But some of those uh, those older guys can probably still whip it pretty good. Is it uh, enjoyable to be on the ice when you do alumni games and and whatnot, or is it sort of a a little bit stressful? You're worried that the guys might uh, not hold back enough. <laughs> I used to have fun with it. I mean, I got a knee replaced about well, what's going on five years ago now. So I stopped playing goal. But, right. I mean, up until that point, every time I played, I put the gear back on. It's what I like to do. It's the most comfortable spot. So I, if the knees were healthy, I would still do it. Right. Uh, do you uh, do you ever uh, play out? Like, I, I'm always curious when goalies, because they kind of typically stay in that. Did, are you a pretty decent uh, skater and, and uh, puck handler outside of the net, or is that uh, – uh, something that, like you said, you talked about being comfortable, obviously, in the net, which makes sense. But uh, once you get out, is it kind of uh, still weird, or, or is it uh, you're just comfortable being on the ice? I, I never really did much of it. I mean, I played a little bit of defense in the Hall of Fame game this year, which is the first time I've pretty much played forward in, oh, I don't know, 35, 40 years. Oh, wow. So it was, it was a little bit different, and it was a couple of weeks before I had my other knee replaced, so we weren't moving around very good, but it was a lot of fun to do. Oh, that's, that's that'd be awesome to see. Um, now I'm gonna kind of go back. I, I, I have notes, and like I said, I'm gonna be a little bit all over the place because that's the way my brain works. But going back to that All Star game, I just uh, I'm gonna see if I could jog your memory. And this is this is a silly thing. You all did um, uh, a puck drop, right? All the players lined up in front of all the 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 guys on the the red carpet there, and you all dropped a puck. Now I'm curious. Do you remember who you dropped a puck for? See if I could jog your memory a little bit there. I think I know. But, um, it's at the top 100 or at the Hall of Fame? 
Uh, at the top 100, sorry. Let's see, who did we drop the puck for at the top 100? <laughs> I, it's a good question. I, you know, you know I, I have a, a weird mind for little details like this and trying to figure it out. I'm pretty sure, I'm going to say I'm 90% sure it was Bobrovsky. Does that seem to ring a bell? I'm pretty sure it, it was somebody. Yeah, it was somebody from the Metropolitan. If not, it was Holtby. I'm pretty sure the the two goalies were standing in front of you. So, um, yeah. Anyhow, I just thought I, I, I know it was, I knew it was a goalie. I just wasn't sure which one. Yeah, they I, kind of lined up goalies across from goalies. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty. I, I think it was Bobrovsky then. Um, so we talked about the charities. What the charities are you in, involved with uh, specifically right now? Like, uh, I'm sure you kind of do stuff that maybe like do charity charity events that you're not necessarily always involved with those ones, but is there some specific ones that are close to your heart? Uh, we do a lot with St. Jude, Jude Children's Hospital down here in the States, and a lot of children's charities, and then there's a lot of celebrity golf tournaments where it benefits children's hospitals and children's charities and stuff. So I travel around with my wife, and we do about 30 events a year right now, so a couple hundred days a year on the road. Right. And and you enjoy uh, kind of getting out and doing that stuff. That's uh, like I mean, obviously you you would enjoy it, but like going out on the road. That's uh, that's a fun thing. I mean, you you live that life kind of being on the road, but uh, that's still something that you get uh, a kick out of doing and traveling around a little bit. Well, I enjoy doing it. You meet a lot of great people. I mean, right. I think that's the fun part. Is I've become it's I've done enough of it and represented hockey doing it. A lot of the times you're the only hockey player, but the fun part of it is you meet other athletes from the different sports and become friends with them. Right. So I think that's that's the exciting part of it is guys that I've admired watching play different sports I'm now friends with. Right. And probably a lot of a lot of golfers I'm gonna guess too, you'd come across just in your uh profession now and your your interest and a lot of those charities take place doing, you know, golfing charities and stuff. I'm sure you come across a lot of heroes or, or people that you admire in, in that sport specifically, I I'm gonna guess. Yeah, I've managed to be lucky enough to play with a few of those guys and get to be friends with a few of the tour guys. So it, I feel that pretty fortunate for a guy that grew up in Spruce Grove to be friends with a lot of the best athletes of the four, five, six major sports is pretty cool. Right. And, and talking about like people that that you meet, like who who are you still friends with? Uh, going back to your hockey playing days, I, we're talking about like the connections you've made more recently since uh, retiring, but going back to your hockey playing days, is there, you know, you got, you know, one or two buddies just on the speed dial that were guys that you'd played with um, that you still keep in contact with? I still see a lot of the guys in the Oilers. I mean, I think we were a pretty close-knit group when we played together, and the guys are still a pretty close-knit group. Right. And I talk, I talk to Koff once in a while. I talk to Wayne once in a while. I still talk to Marty McSorley a bunch. So it's the one, Paul Coffey. I mean, I think that's the great thing with that team is we've all remained friends, and the guys are all still pretty close. Right. That's that's really cool. I like. I can't imagine just uh, as a if an Oilers fan kind of ran into uh, you guys, you know, sitting down in a a restaurant, they'd be, you know, just in in shock. That would be a pre- pretty fun thing to come across. Um, so uh, let me see. I was going to ask you another thing about um, the, the other teams that you played for. Oilers, obviously, is uh, you, you grew up just outside of uh, Edmonton and you played there. Uh, but you did play for a couple other teams. Do, you, do those teams that you played for, um, uh, let me take L.A., St. Louis, Calgary. I think there's one more. Um, do they still Toronto. hold – Toronto, there we go. Yeah, do they still hold, like, a special place in your heart? Or are you, like, there's not really much attachment. You're there for a couple of years and uh, – or or is it kind of mostly just about Edmonton for you? Uh, it's kind of a bit about everything. I mean, I enjoyed my time, obviously, in Edmonton because it was home. 
Right. We had a little success there. But I enjoyed being a Maple Leaf. I mean, as a kid, I grew up a Maple Leaf fan because you only get to see either Montreal or Toronto on TV. Right. And most of the games we saw west were Toronto. So I was a Leaf fan as a kid, so it was pretty cool to be a Maple Leaf. I enjoyed my time in Buffalo. I got to play again for John Muckler down there, so that was a lot of fun. Right. I had a good time with that. I had a short stay in L.A., but it was fun because like, there was eight or ten guys from the old Oiler teams that were playing in L.A. at that time. Right. So that was fun. <laughs> and then like, five years in St. Louis, which I had a great time, and we had good teams there. I mean, right. that was that was the other thing. Is we had some really good teams there, and it was a fun place to play. And coming back to finish my career in Calgary, then you're back in the home province. And my mom was from Calgary, so it was a good way to wrap up my career. Right. Um, I'm going to kind of take you back to uh, when you were with the Oilers and playing against the Jets. A lot of people say that, the, especially in Winnipeg, <laughs> talk about how good those uh, those uh, Jets teams were, but they'd always run into the Oilers. Uh, from your, your standpoint, were those Jets teams – that good? Like, what, what do you remember specifically about playing against the Jets over uh, over that uh, that time frame? Who they were, who the fans were, being in the old barn, and uh, just yeah, if you kind of touch on your experience against the Jets, 1.0. What? I think they were just kind of in an unfortunate spot. I mean, if you looked at the NHL at that time, probably three of the four best teams played in the same division between us, Winnipeg, and Calgary. We were all in the same division. And you might have one or two teams in the East that were good at that time. So to get out of your own division, you had to beat two of the best teams out of the whole league. Right. So unfortunately for Winnipeg, they either got stuck playing us or they got stuck playing Calgary. Right? They were a great hockey team. If they'd have gone one through 16, all those series would have happened later in the playoffs. It just right. happened that we're all in the same, basically the same division, not even the same conference, just the same division. So you ended up playing somebody in the first round, and if you got through the first round, you had to play the other team in the second round. So it was just kind of an unfortunate spot for them. Yeah. <laughs> but in my opinion, they were probably the third best team in the league at that time. Yeah. And that, that's crazy that they, they couldn't get past that first round, <laughs> I think hardly ever, if I if – I, not even once, I don't think so, uh, during those, those years. But um, – Okay, now I'm going to switch uh, just over to uh, talking about the goalies. Uh, I kind of made the, the joke that goalies are a little bit off, and you, you said that maybe a bit more normal. I'm curious um, about the actual position of being a goalie because uh, just now uh, it feels like goalies – well, not now, just all the time. Goalies are either hot or they're cold. Uh, people often refer to goalies as voodoo because it's really hard to figure out, and then goalies get contracts <laughs> that they're they're not worth. Uh, what What is it with goalies? Are, uh, like – what makes a good goalie? How do you, or how what, how do you become a consistent goalie? What what are the things that you read into that? And after having coached that, I'm sure you probably have some some stuff from seeing it on the other side of trying to get somebody to do uh, A B C and X Y Z and uh, seeing them either succeed or not succeed. So you can just talk about the goalie position and, and I don't know what's up with that. I don't even have a specific question about it, but the goalies are weird. The best part about the position is you get to make a difference every day, whether it be good, bad, or otherwise. You're going to make a difference. But coaching goalies, what I try to tell them is you don't have to be great every day, but you have to be good every day. Right. And I think a lot of guys put a lot of pressure on themselves to be great. And you don't have to be great. You just have to make the right saves at the right time and do it consistently. So if you're good every day, you give your chance, your team a chance to win. Right. I mean, yeah, if you can be great every day, then it's a bonus. Yeah. Your team, your team gets a big boost. But the, the goal of a starting goalie to be consistent is to be good every day and give your team that chance to win. And a lot of guys have a hard – it's a hard position to do that because a lot of times 
if you have, go through a little bit of a bad stretch and you try and force it, it's the one position you can't force. You have to let the game come to you. The harder you try, the worse it gets. Right. So it's kind of opposite of everything else. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and your mistakes are magnified because they usually end up as a goal, whereas if a left wing makes a defense down in the offensive end, nobody really thinks about that as being the cause of, of a goal, but the goalies, it's, it always comes down to them, right? So. But well, it's, it's the one position where they've either got a song or a horn going off with a little red light pointing at you saying, hey, guess what? You made a mistake. Right. That's true. So you've got, you've got 18,000 people either loving you or hating you. I love that. I love the idea. Yeah, every time you make a, a really big mistake, there's a big horn. Well, I guess sometimes it's maybe on other people. You don't always have to make a mistake, but uh, you always feel down when the other team scores, and then you got that uh, nice loud reminder. So that's uh, that's great. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Most people don't really look at that as part of their job. Like if, you may, if a horn or a light went off every time you made a mistake, it would be a very fun job. Where as being a goalie, if you really think about it and break it down, every time a puck goes by you, there's a light or a horn that points out that somewhere along the way you made a mistake or didn't read something right. So right. it's the one job in the world where every mistake's pointed out. Yeah, that's true. I like that. That's a, a different, definitely a different way to think of it. I think if I were a goalie, I'd probably have earplugs in or something just to and tape my tape my head up so I wouldn't have to hear that. Just something to avoid. Selective it. hearing. Yeah. You get very good selective hearing. Yeah, that's maybe one of the the things that separates the uh, the the good and the great is the ones that can can really tune it out and still concentrate, right? That's a short memory. Best thing you can have as a goalie. Once the goal goes in, fish it out of the net, play on. Yeah. Because there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. The fish is a good word to use there, right? The fish got like, what, a three-second memory or something? You catch them, let them go, yeah, and you catch much. them right again. <laughs> Call the goalies the fish. That's exactly it. Um, so talking about, like, uh, current goalies right now, do you uh, who's, whose game do you really like of the current goalies? Who do you think is a kind of really – Stellar, they you know seem to need very little coaching. Obviously, some of the veterans, as they they get later in their career, probably have less things that they need to continue to tune up, but uh, still play at a high levels. Um, curious what you think of this current crop of of goalies and who you you like and see some some potential in. I think it's a good crop. I mean, there's a lot of good young goalies, and I think Carey Price is still the best of the young goalies, even though the last couple of years have been a little bit rough. But I think he's he's your hybrid of what goalies have become there's butterfly goalies and now they're you're starting to see goalies become mobile again right and carries kind of that hybrid of that brand i mean you look at the year connor had last year in winnipeg where he was phenomenal i mean pecorine in nashville and there's a lot of good goalies in the league right now and that's the fun part goalies it's a position that's become strong throughout the league it used to be where it was spotty in the league and it's become every team's got a good goalie now some teams are fortunate to have two or three um, of the the current crop of goalies, guys that are playing right now, I, I think I know some of the answers. But which uh, which of these guys do you think uh, are going to probably end up in the hall? Uh, in the hall, you're going to see probably Roberto Luongo, right? I mean, I think he's the body of work's been pretty good so far. Yeah, for sure. Um, after that, it's hard to say because there's still lots of guys that are got that are going to put work in. Right. So. I mean, Marty was kind of a no-brainer this year. Yeah, yeah. What about Fleury? Do you think uh, he makes it to the Hall eventually? I, I would think eventually he will. Yeah. I mean, they pay you to win, <laughs> and that's all he's done. So that's that's still the one statistic that matters is do you win or not. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, you got to put in a. The hardest part about being a goalie is you've got to put in a long time. Right. I mean, if you have a short career where you play seven, eight, ten years, it seems to get overlooked a lot. Right. Whereas you put in fifteen, eighteen years, it tends to get a little bit of more credibility to it. Right. Yeah. So durability sure. has a lot to do with it. Yeah, if you can stick around, yeah, that's that's definitely a quality, right? Um, I was going to ask you about the, the number. You were 31 uh, with the Oilers, and that is uh, maybe there's some bit of history here that I don't know, um, and I could have looked into. And people are going to be yelling at their their phones or radios as they listen to this or or whatnot. But 31, a lot of goalies would always wear numbers in the 30s. Uh, what's what's the story behind behind that? I, pardon me for for not knowing if it's really obvious, but I don't I don't understand why that seems to be a trend. I would think that you know it'd be a little bit more free-flowing and people would just use numbers all over the place like many other forwards and and other players do i had got it as a kid and wore it in junior and then after junior i got to edmonton and eddie mio had one so or actually had 31 so i wore one my first year and then when we traded eddie i got 31 back just because i like the number right so it didn't have any sentimental uh, value to you or anything. It was just yeah, you know, one that you had been given, and so it became who you were, a little bit. Yeah, it's just a number I liked and quite enjoyed. Right. Uh, um, okay, I'm gonna just uh, touch back on on golfing for a second. Uh, I meant to ask you this before when I first was chatting about the the golf uh, that you do. Have you ever and how many uh, gotten a hole in one? I've had three. Really. So, so I'm getting reasonably lucky when it comes to that. Yeah. Did, did were any of them for like a car or anything like that? Yeah, one of like a competition or or just all in regular play? Uh, two in regular play. One in a tournament that I got a, a pair of shoes signed by the Ryder Cup guys. Oh, that's the Ryder Cup in Chicago. So that's pretty cool. Three hole in ones, eh? I don't. <laughs> I can only dream. <laughs> um, every, every now and then we get lucky. Yeah. Well, you've been doing it long enough. You're you're pretty good. I saw the uh, a little bit uh, about the write up about you with uh, with golf. So you you know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. You know what you're doing. <laughs> Especially that you're a director of golf. So you you probably are supposed to. Um, I'm curious uh, to get your take on the the current Oilers and um, I don't want to say the situation, but just uh, who they are right now. Their makeup. Obviously, McDavid is a huge part of that. So what's your take on the, the current Oilers? How good are they? How bad are they? When are they going to be better? When, you know, do you like their chances? Well, I think they're, they're a good team. I mean, I think you saw the potential two years ago when they made the playoffs of the team that they have a potential to have. And then last year you see the team where everybody plays below their potential. Right. So I think it's, it's a team that's somewhere in between the two teams. It's a good enough team to make the playoffs, and that's all you want is once you make the playoffs, then it's pretty much up to whoever plays the best at that time that wins. So I think they're, they're a good enough team. They're going to be in that, I'm guessing this year, six, seven, eight spots somewhere in there. But it's a good enough team to make the playoffs right now. It, it needs a little bit of secondary scoring, but it's a good team. Yeah. Well, besides the, the scoring, is there, like, positional-wise, uh, the way that you would – um, what you would add add to the team right now? I mean, the Jets uh, 
just for I don't I don't know if you know, but uh, Jets are playing Edmonton on Thursday, so this is kind of uh, of interest to our listeners that would be thinking about this uh, uh, this upcoming game. So, uh, but what would you add to to that team that you think would get them over the hump and make them even better? I think. No, I think you have to have some character guys. I mean, it's, it's not always your stars that are the big pieces in a puzzle. It's your character guys. I mean, we always had guys around our teams. They may not have played the most minutes and they weren't the stars, but they're kind of the glue of your team. And I think you take a look at two years ago where they had a guy like Matt Hendricks. Good penalty killer, didn't play a lot of minutes, but he's kind of the glue of that team. Right. And you have to have guys like that. So I think if if anything, that's what you want to – that's what you'd like to add is somebody that's kind of that glue inside the dressing room. Right. Just uh, kind of uh, like down that that uh, line of thinking because uh, Matt Hendricks, uh, as you probably know, played in Winnipeg for uh, a year or two last year, I guess it was. Um, and so he was a controversial player to have be- uh, to a lot of people, including myself, because we had such a skilled team that you we didn't really, you know, need his skill on the ice. But obviously, everybody seemed to love the guy, whatever. I mean, he sounds like just a real gem of a, of a person. But why, does it, why is it always sort of players that aren't stars that seem to be the, the glue? Why is it not, you know, the, no one ever referred to Gretzky as the glue, as far as I know. Um, it always seems to be those guys that have, that is their specific role. But is there a way... Like, is it a different weight that uh, leaders or star players carry versus, you know, a, a player that maybe isn't uh, the most skilled? Uh, I'm just curious about that dynamic from someone who's obviously been in the locker room. What 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 is that? Uh, your star players are obviously going to lead on the ice. They're going to be – your stars are going to be your stars. They're the ones that put the people in the seats, that sort of thing. So they're going to lead that way. It's your guys that are kind of the unsung heroes. They do the little things. They kill penalties. They play the hard minutes that nobody really notices right? except except for the guys in the room. And those are the hard – those are the guys that are kind of the heart and soul of your team. Right. And when it comes to that, actually, I was uh, chatting with a Winnipeg media person here the other day. When you uh, – especially because you've been on the, the coaching side, when you think of what gets the best results for a hockey team, do you think it's um, – if it was left up to a general manager, like their influence on a team – or coaches' influence on the team, or the players and the way that they see each other and the way that they go to battle for each other, or even the media. Like, who would have the hottest, best takes of this? I would. I, I don't include the fans in this only because, as fans, we can be crazy and <laughs> and argumentative, and uh, you know, and, and the furthest removed, obviously. So, as much as we feel a part of it, but I mean, general managers, coaches, players media get to be close with nothing invested, right? There, there's sort of a different angle everybody takes. So uh, taking those sort of four, who do you think uh, kind of is the biggest driver of, of getting the best results out of a team? The guys fighting for each other? It's kind of a combination. Everybody has to buy into the same theory from the general manager to the coach to the players. I mean, in Edmonton, we were taught as a, at a young age, it's a family atmosphere. Right. where we were all one big happy family and you didn't want to be the one guy to let the family down. So you look at a chain link fence. You didn't want to be the weak link. Right. And everybody bought into that. And that that's your general manager sells it, your coach sells it, the players have to buy it. Right. And that was the biggest thing is we all bought into the point that we were all playing for the same purpose that if the team wins, 
you become successful as an individual. Instead of being successful as an individual, creating the team to win. It has to be the other way around. Right. Well, that's uh, truly what a team is then, right? Like that's uh, that's what makes a team a team is when people aren't, you know, fighting for themselves but for others, right? Yeah, you take away the selfishness. Yeah. Where guys are willing to sacrifice themselves for the team. Right. Yeah, that's good. I love it. That's a that's a great uh, way to way to explain it. So, um, well, I'm gonna wrap up here quick just because I I do feel uh, guilty uh, taking your time, although I so appreciative of you you doing this. Uh, you are in California. Are you any? Uh, obviously, I'm in Winnipeg. Are you anywhere near the the wildfires that are happening? Is totally not hockey related. Is uh, friends and family, everybody safe, or has that affected you guys at all? No, we're in Palm Springs, so it's kind of. We're away from it all, so right. we're kind of spoiled that way. Right. Yeah. I was just curious. I'm not uh, that familiar with the geography of uh, of uh, California. We just keep hearing on the news of these crazy fires. So yeah, I, when I knew I was chatting with you, I figured I'd ask. Yeah, that's more of the L.A. way. We're more kind of in a little holiday spot. Right. A lot of people from Canada come down here. Lots, lots of people from Winnipeg, lots from Alberta, Saskatchewan, B.C. It's yeah. kind of a holiday destination. Well, that's awesome. Um, is there anything that you would like to uh, plug and tell anyone? Uh, just uh, any appearances you're doing? I, I mentioned the, the, the book, um, the documentary. Is there anything that uh, you'd like to leave us with uh, about what you're you're up to and where people can reach you or find you on the Twitter machine or, or what? I'm actually on the quiet side right now. I just had a knee replaced. Actually, my other knee replaced here a couple of weeks ago. So we're on the mending mode right now going to have a nice quiet holiday season so hopefully everybody has a great holidays and a good christmas and hopefully one of the canadian teams wins a cup this year it's about due <laughs> definitely do definitely do uh will you be watching the jets and and the oilers on uh thursday which actually we're going to put this episode out on on thursday of the day of the oilers it seems appropriate so uh will you be watching you managed to take in a lot of the games Oh, I do. I, we find ways to watch them down here, so I'll definitely be watching. Right on. That's awesome. Okay, now on a, a, a pretty selfish uh, note here, uh, I have a friend who was born in Alberta. He grew up as a huge Oilers fan. Uh, we share Jet season tickets. Uh, now, his name is Sherwood, and his birthday is in, like, the next day or two. Can you say happy birthday to Sherwood for me? I can do that. Hey, Sherwood, happy birthday. Hopefully – yeah, have a great one, and hopefully you get a chance to take in the Jets Oilers game. Yeah, absolutely. I know he'll be watching that one. He's uh, he's always torn when he has to pick a team to cheer for, but uh, it's not playoffs, so he doesn't have to totally pick a side right now, anyhow. So, <laughs> anyhow, thanks thanks so much for doing this, Grant. Really appreciate it. Uh, a lot of fun, and uh, all the the people that were um, involved in the podcast with me uh, were very happy to uh, have gotten you to come on. This is great. So thanks, and uh, good luck with your healing. So. All right. Thank you. All right. Great night. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.